Monday, Dave Schultz. Solo on a Monday afternoon sports chat, 103.3. The GOAT coming up at 5. Corey Diaz from the Daily Advertiser talking Raging Cajuns football. And at 5.30, Armin Katane got the new book out, Gambler, talking about Billy Walters and probably a little Phil Mickelson in there as well. I told you we had three authors coming on today. Joe Posnanski was the first one. Really honored and thrilled to have our next guest on. He is Gary Myers, a story of victory and tragedy and life after football. He wrote Once a Giant. Uh, Gary, Dave Schultz, thanks for hopping on. Where did you get the idea for the book? Hey, Dave. Uh, good afternoon. Um, I, um, I've been thinking about this for a while, uh, about the plight of the retired players and what they face when they're in their 50s and 60s. And um, I was just... You know, for a couple of years, I was just trying to think of the best way to tell the story. And then it, it just kind of hit me that I, I wanted to focus on one team. And, you know, I've written, this is the sixth book that I've written, but I've never written any books about a New York team. And you know, mm. that's where I grew up and where I spent most of my life, except for about eight years in Dallas. And the 86 Giants, you know, fit the, um, I, I guess... What I was looking for was a, a really popular team that the majority of their players were in that great age group that I, I mentioned, and um, I, I knew a lot of these players already. And so I spent about two years, you know, researching and writing this book. So um, I, I think it really, you know, focuses on, on an issue that is so important. Uh, to players of, you know, yesterday, today, and tomorrow, who are, you know, in the NFL. And I told them in a way, I mean, there's some really heartbreaking stories in here, mm -hmm. and there's some heartwarming stuff, too. But I think I told it in a way that's not a complete downer, because I know people, right. and I wouldn't want to read a book that's only, you know, one story of misery after another. So I really, you know, told the story of that season, not not the week-to-week, -week, game by game stuff, but how that team became a real brotherhood and created a bond that really has carried over until today, you know, with the practical jokes and all the stuff that happens when you spend six or seven months together. And, uh, and the, the really heartwarming part about this book is how these players have stuck together. And when they find out that one of them is in trouble, you know, whether it's physical or financial, they rally and provide support. Hmm. All right, so it does go through the season because this was, again, this was a team, you know, I mean, you just don't get any chance to build a team, right? If you're not winning in three years, it's a new quarterback and a new GM and a, a new a new head coach. This was a team that was built, you know, Phil Sims, you know, Parcells was first and then Phil Sims mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, Lawrence Taylor showed up, my guy, little Joe Morris, maybe your guy too, you know, and then mm -hmm. Bavaro was there and, you know, uh, Carson was there and Banks was there. You know, so it really was a team that was built and was ready to do what they did, having to overcome, you know, teams like Washington and Dallas, I guess, was on the way down by that time, right? They hadn't rejuvenated. They were going in the wrong direction. I guess the 49ers would have been the other team and the Bears. Well, and, and Washington was very good then. Right. They, they were in the midst of winning a bunch of championships. The Cowboys didn't really hit rock bottom until 1988, so... In fact, the, the Cowboys beat the Giants in the first game of the 86 season. Mm. Giants only lost one more game, you know, in, until the season opened in the next year. 
So, you know, that was a great team. And that was the pre-free agency day, days also, Dave, where the, the Giants were building to that moment, you know, after making the playoffs in 84 and 85 and having some disappointment in, in the divisional round. They went into the 86 season convinced that was their year, that their best players were all right in the prime of their careers. The Parcells at that point had been established as one of their, you know, the better coaches and, that team was built to win in 1986. And boy, when, you, when you think about the best teams of the Super Bowl era, now they didn't sustain it. Uh, although they won again four years later, you know, they with that core group, you know, it, it, it was a lot of player turnover. Uh, again, even though it was a pre-free agency days, but just, you know, the natural turnover you have in the roster. Uh, so they didn't sustain it from one year to the next. But if you just look at the individual teams during the Super Bowl era, I think the 86 Giants are in the top five. Mm, right. And, um, yeah, so it was a great team, a bunch of great guys who were very forthcoming with me. You know, and having a prior relationship with them certainly helped. But, you know, the stories they were telling me about some of the things that they've experienced uh, is really eye-opening. We're talking with Gary Myers, once a giant, a story of victory, tragedy, and life after football. Long time, a daily news writer, uh, New York Times bestseller, among them Brady versus Manning. All right, so the one that most of us is going to ask about, obviously, Lawrence Taylor has had, you know, I mean, are we on toes by now? Two handfuls of off-field issues. Have any teammates been able to get through to him? You know, I, I spent um, some time with him in Florida last year, and I've seen him once since then and, and talked to him on the phone a few times. And, uh, you know, knock on wood, but I think he's, like, in the best spot he is right now, uh, right now rather, than he has been in a very long time. Uh, he's told me, and teammates have backed him, backed him up on this, he's he hasn't used drugs since 1999. Mm. Now, by no means... Am I saying that he's been trouble-free since then? Because um, what you have to do is try to keep up with him over the years, and we've seen, you know, he's had his issues, but really nothing in the last few years, which for the normal person, you'd say, so what? It's only a few years. But for Lawrence, you know, that uh, a turning of the corner. And, I, you know, for his sake, I, I really hope that the good, the good course that he's on now, that he, he can just hold that. Because he's not a bad guy, and 99% of the trouble that he's been in has been self-inflicted. Um, maybe I'll say 90%, because the one incident with the underage girl a few years ago was horrific. Uh, probably the worst thing he's ever been involved in. Um, but, listen, I'm as skeptical as anybody. And I, he's just been involved in so many things over the years, it's, it's really hard to buy into the idea that all of a sudden everything is great but i haven't read his name in a negative way in the paper in in a bunch of years and um if he's telling the truth then he's been off of drugs for over 20 years and um if all that is true i, I certainly hope it stays that way Talking to Gary Myers about his book, Once a Giant, a story of victory, tragedy, and life after football. Is there, is there one guy who's kind of the leader of the post, you know, playing days? Is, is it kind of Carl Banks? We see him in the, in the media all the time. Part of the media. Yeah, I think it's probably, it's probably Harry Carson. Is, okay. He, consi he considers himself captain for life. 
that right. if anybody has a problem, they, they call Harry. But the most amazing transition or transformation um, has been with, with Bill Parcells because he had a love-hate relationship with his players because he drove them so hard. Um, and it's taken them a long time, a lot of them a long time to appreciate him and his methods for, you know, giving them the opportunity to win. The, those who stuck around, they won two championships with him, and that changed everybody's life. But now that Bill is, is almost 82 years old, he will be um, actually, I think, tomorrow, oh. August 22nd. <laughs> there you go. His birthday. He'll be 82 years old, and um, he's really become the patriarch of that team. And I'll give out one little tidbit that I've been telling people and I've done a few different shows is that over the years, he's loaned out with no expectation of being repaid $4 million to his former players who have come to him Whoa. with terrible financial problems. And I said, you know, why? Why would you do that? And he said, if they're coming to me, I know it's a matter of it's a last resort because they're so embarrassed to uh, have to ask me for money. And I feel that these guys, you know, help make him who he is, help put him in a very stable and comfortable financial position. And he said that, you know, he's put away money that he needs for the rest of his life. He's given to his ex-wife. He's given to his three daughters and his grandchildren. And he said, what else am I going to do with my money? And why shouldn't I help the guys who helped me so much? And I think that's, such a cool story because I mean, I've been doing this a long time and I pay attention to everything. I can't ever remember a coach writing checks for $4 million right. to former players. Right. Over 20 players have come to him asking for money hmm. and he's written checks for over $4 million. So you do the math on how much he's loaned yeah. to each guy. Yeah. Uh, see if I can become a former player. He is Gary Myers, a story of victory, tragedy, and life after football. Once a giant. I, I just I scanned the book; it just came in today. Um, Mark Bavaro opened up. He was he was a, he was different as a player compared to what he is today. Yeah, I mean, he was very um, reserved. I would say, um, and that's probably an understatement. He he just didn't seek out the media and uh, and turn back any media that was really seeking him out, that he just wasn't into it. And we just took that as a sign of, well, this guy doesn't have a personality and, you know, he's so shy and, you know, he's being rude and all that. That's just who he was at the time. And uh, for whatever his reasons were, he was just really reluctant publicly to, you know, put himself out there. But, you know, all these years later, um, he was the best interview I had for the book. I really? talked to him for over two hours and um he he told me stories that are gonna blow people away and it, it's all recent about the battle that he had with long-term covid mm. and so it's obviously pretty recent and how in the book dave he's one of five players who and i'm not gonna name the others right now but um one of five players who gave serious consideration to taking their own lives because of uh, the agony that they were going through. Some of it caused by football and some that they suspect football caused. And But in each case, they had reached such a low point that they were wondering if it was worth continuing to live. And, and fortunately, um, they all sought help or, or fought through it themselves. 
and um, and have come out the other side. And you know, from my interviews with them, they seem to be happy and have their life together and um, are stronger for the struggles that they went through. All right, Gary, let's wrap it up. Let's do a high note. Give me give me a situation where you know a couple of players helped out another player that needed it. Well, Brad Benson, an offensive lineman, um, has had some financial issues, and Harry Carson started a, a GoFundMe page for him. Um, one of the funnier stories in the book is how Jim Burt, you know, years after he had finished playing, refused to go to the doctor for an annual checkup because he was pretty much, I guess a lot of people feel this way, myself included. You're almost afraid to find out right. what the doctor might have for you. And he wouldn't go unless Carson took him to the doctor, took him to the appointment. And uh, then he insisted that Harry come into the examining room when the doctor checked him out. And since that point, Bert's been going for annual checkups. So he just needed someone to help push him in that direction. And Harry is the one that it wasn't like Bert said, Harry, I'm afraid to go to the doctor. Will you come with me? It was Harry saying to Bert. You haven't been to the doctor. You better get your butt over there. And then Bert said, okay, I'll go only if you come with me. That's how it worked out. So, um, but again, you know, the Phil Sims has been, and he doesn't advertise any of this, but he's been very active uh, with a couple other teammates in, in trying to help. Um, Phil McConkey has given Bavaro a couple of jobs because Bavaro said to me that after football, he never really found anything that he was any good at. Mm. which was, you know, really sad to hear. He's a pretty bright guy, but he, you know, he thought about coaching for a while and did an internship with the Jets when Parcells was there, but decided that it wasn't for him. Um, Carl Banks has been a real success story. He's got a clothing line it's called G3 that has uh, licenses with lots of colleges and, and professional teams, and he's become an incredible businessman. I hope one day he gets into the Hall of Fame because I think – that he deserves it. He is Gary Myers, a story of victory, tragedy, life after football. I'll ask you one New York question quickly because, you know, a lot of hope for the Giants playoff team last year, mm -hmm. tons of hope for the Jets this year, and that's mixed in with a brutal summer of bad Yankee and Mets baseball. <laughs> yeah, New York is now a football town yeah, for sure. Right. There's, lots, there's lots of optimism about the two football teams and the, and the baseball season is over before the football season even starts, which is really unusual around here. You know, Dave, if I could just mention one thing. Please um, do. Yeah. I mean, although this book is about the Giants, um, and the way what I'm telling people from around the country is that it really could be about any team. It can be about the Saints. It could be about the Cal the Rams. Because all players from that age group are, are pretty much going through the same thing. Right. You know, it, their issues are different, and but it, it, there's a lot of problems for all these players that have resulted from from playing football. So, again, I just chose to focus on this team. But if you if you care about players and you're interested in the NFL, then um, I think this would be a really interesting book for people to read because all you really have to do is substitute some of the names of the team that you follow in this book and you probably hit upon uh, an issue that uh, one of your favorite players is going through who's now 
you know, mid to late 50s to mid to late 60s. And, you know, one thing, anybody who wants to pre-order it, which I really appreciate, it comes out September 12th. Mm. And you can get it on any of the um, online services, including Amazon, obviously. Um, and it's done really well on the pre-orders, which I'm, I'm really happy about. It, it, the story of this team, I think, once people pick up and read the book, I think it will really resonate and, and give a really clear picture of, okay, these guys are high profile and in the public spotlight. They make a lot of money, a lot more money today than they did in 1986, but there is a price to be paid. And a lot of these guys are paying a pretty, pretty big price, you know, with their health. Gary Myers, once a giant, a story of victory, tragedy, and life after football. Been a big fan of yours for a long time, part of the New York Daily News. And we love having Gary on because I didn't go there. My mother and father went there, but he's a Syracuse Orange grad. Hopefully they get, again, I guess you can't, can you have a Yankee? Can you have a pinstripe bowl without the orange? Isn't that a rule? (laughs) It seems to be that way. (laughs) Although that one's kind of in my backyard, a Yankee Stadium. I'd much prefer prefer them to see them in like the orange bowl, the orange and the orange bowl or or a bigger bowl game than, um, you know, in the fourth team from the ACC plays like the eighth team from the Big Ten. Right. I'm hoping it would be better, but I, I, I don't know. Probably not. Um, Gary, yeah, thank I'm you so much. The, I'm hoping to change in basketball coaches, you know, we'll as see. the arrow pointing up. It's going to be interesting. Yep. Uh, I appreciate on, it, Gary. Thank you so much. Take care. Good talk to you.